You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Nicodemus. Hello my radio friends. Thanks for joining me today for another Give Me the Bible program. Today we will be considering the man Nicodemus and draw some helpful information from his life. Nicodemus is only mentioned in the Gospel of John, but half a chapter and five other verses are about him. So there has to be something about this man that was special. Who was Nicodemus? He was a Pharisee and a member of the Sanhedrin, and he lived in the time Jesus walked the earth. So who were the Pharisees? They were a Jewish sect and were very strict and rigorous in their religious practices. They believed they were separated from the normal everyday Jews because of their earnest desire to be perfect. Because of that desire, they, at least to all appearances, attempted to gain perfection by keeping all the laws, that is, the moral law, the Ten Commandments, the health laws and ceremonial laws most rigorously. So careful were they in their religious observances that they made sub-laws so as not to miss anything. They believed in the resurrection of the dead and future punishment for unrepentant sinners. They also believed that if one lived a worthy, law-abiding life, they would be rewarded by God with everlasting life. They regarded Jesus as the enemy because he did not support their hair-splitting manner of life. Jesus showed, preached and taught that the principles of the moral law are important rather than exactitude in observance. To attain Pharisee status required a great deal of dedication and, in my opinion, a good mind and a retentive memory as there were thousands of sub-laws made to refine the laws. Any work on Sabbath was forbidden, but the Pharisees went so far as to light no fires on the Sabbath, not to pick any fruit on Sabbath. Cooking was forbidden, and the Pharisee was not to open or close an umbrella on the Sabbath, as that was considered the same as building or demolishing a tent. Pharisees were not permitted to tie a knot or even to untie a knot on Sabbath. If their hair became tangled because of the wind, they were not permitted to untangle it, as that was considered to be work, likened to carding wool in preparation for spinning it into thread. Candles or lamps were to be lit on Friday afternoon, just before sunset, and were not to be extinguished prior to sunset on Saturday. If a pot plant blew over in the wind on Sabbath, they would not set it up straight again 
until the sun had set on Saturday. Now we might laugh at their fanaticism, but they were very earnest in their endeavours, even if they were misguided. Jesus chastised the Pharisees. After a group of scribes and Pharisees came to him complaining that his disciples had not washed their hands before eating. And we can read about this in Matthew 15, verses 2 and 3. They said, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And he, Jesus, answered them and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Now, their hand-washing was to pour water twice, first on the right hand, and then twice on the left, although this was reversed for left-handed people. The Pharisees followed all these rules, which they regarded as proof of their righteousness. But Jesus correctly pointed out that most of their practices were just meaningless tradition. But the Pharisees were not the only ones who wrongly identified true religion as traditional practices. Tradition, the way things are done, is still a problem in churches today. Who said that there must be three hymns sung in the service hour? Who said that women must sit separate from the men? They do in some churches. Who said that people must wear white when attending church? Who said you must close our eyes when praying? Who said the deacons must start at the front when collecting the offering? And who said that the organ was the only acceptable instrument for church music? The answer is that these things are done these ways not because it says so in the Bible, but rather because of traditions that have become established. Tradition is not holiness, although some traditions may encourage reverence. Well, Nicodemus was such a Pharisee, and he was of the Sanhedrin, the ruling class of Pharisees. But he had questions. No doubt he wondered if all this really strict religious observance was what was required for eternal life. When he heard Jesus teaching, perhaps he thought, hmm, Jesus must be wrong and needed straightening out. On the other hand, he might have thought, this man might be onto something. So, to be unobserved by his fellow Pharisees, Nicodemus decided to have a secret meeting with Jesus at night where he would investigate why Jesus said the things he did. So he put his plan into action and came to Jesus in the darkness. Politely, Nicodemus addressed Jesus by saying, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And that's from John 3, verse 2. Unexpectedly, Jesus did not return the pleasantries by asking Nicodemus about his family and so on. 
He s- instead, he said to Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that's from John 3.3. 3. Wham! Jesus immediately broke into the subject that Nicodemus had been pondering. In just one sentence, Jesus cut away the platform the Pharisees were trying to achieve, that is, salvation by law-keeping. Nicodemus was almost floored. Here, Jesus was speaking at the deepest level with deeper meaning than Nicodemus had ever taught, although he was a Pharisee of the highest order. Somewhat taken aback and trying to collect his thoughts, Nicodemus stammered, "Um, How can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's from John 3 verse 4. It was a silly question especially if that person's mother was already dead. Undeterred, Jesus continued, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's from John 3, 5. Ah, so that was it. Jesus was talking about a spiritual birth a conversion. And recorded in verses 7 and 8, Jesus added, Do not marvel that I said unto you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. A little later, Jesus made this statement. As Moses lifted the serpent up in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. There's no record of anything else said by Nicodemus, but it began to dawn on him that eternal life was not to be gained by law-keeping, but instead it's through Jesus Christ. He probably didn't understand at that stage that when someone has an open heart and mind and hungers for truth, they are led by the Holy Spirit to come to the decision to accept Christ's sacrifice for them. Nicodemus remained a Pharisee. But he was changed. It appears that he secretly became a follower of Christ, a Christian, but did not tell anybody. Not long after this, the Pharisees wanted to arrest Jesus because people were beginning to understand that Jesus was the Christ, although some thought he was merely a great prophet. His following was increasing while the Pharisees were losing popularity. They sent out officers to arrest Jesus, but the officers returned empty-handed. When asked why, 
They replied that they had never heard anyone speak like this man. They were fascinated by Jesus, whose words filled them with hope. They did not have the heart to arrest such a kind and wonderful teacher. The Pharisees were angry. They wanted Jesus arrested, although they had no grounds to do so. Nicodemus had been quiet, but then spoke up. He said, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he's doing? And that's found in John 7.51. I'm not sure if any of the other Pharisees suspected that Nicodemus was a secret Christian at this stage, but it is obvious that Nicodemus was coming to the defence of Jesus. He was trying to protect the one who had revealed to him the only way to eternal life. Nicodemus recognised that the way he had followed for most of his life was a dead end. The other Pharisees thought that strictly keeping the laws and traditions was a passport to heaven, but they were wrong. And people who say the same these days are also wrong. Another former Pharisee, the Apostle Paul, came to the same conclusion. And we'll talk about that straight after the break. Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you? Or the kindness you've shown Lord help me Jesus I've wasted it so Help me Jesus I know what I am But now that I know That I've needed me, Lord, if you think there's a way that I can repay all I've taken from you. Maybe, Lord, I can show someone else what I've been through myself. On my way back to you Lord help me Jesus I've wasted it so Help me Jesus I know what I am 
Just before the break, I mentioned another ex-Pharisee who later became the Apostle Paul. And in Romans 3.28, Paul said, Wherefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the law. To which he added in Galatians 3.11, But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. I should add here, that he meant that the just will live forever, to be given eternal life. And that is available only through the acceptance of Jesus' sacrifice for them. Nicodemus, it appears, was living a double life for quite some time. Inwardly, he was a believer, a Christian. Outwardly, he continued being a respected, active Pharisee. It must be understood that a genuine Pharisee was not a bad person. The difference between Nicodemus and the other Pharisees was that Nicodemus had learned that strict law-keeping was not the way to eternal life. Eternal life was and is only obtainable through Jesus Christ. Now it appears that another Pharisee, Joseph of Arimathea, along with Nicodemus, also became a Christian. Both these men were wealthy and influential. The third and last time we read about Nicodemus in the Bible is after Jesus died, after being murdered by crucifixion. John chapter 19 verses 38 to 42 says, After this, that's the crucifixion, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate, the Roman governor, so that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds, that's roughly forty kilos. Then they took the body of Jesus 
and bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as was the custom of the Jews, to bury. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which nobody had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. In the Gospel of Luke, we are told that the tomb, something like a man-made cave carved into the side of a cliff, belonged to Joseph. Joseph provided the tomb. But who brought the embalming ointment, all 40 kilos of it? Nicodemus. That embalming ointment must have cost him a small fortune. The act of purchasing the ointment reveals several things about Nicodemus. Firstly, it shows that he was quite wealthy. Secondly, it shows that Nicodemus wanted to honour the Lord Jesus. Jesus had patiently and thoroughly revealed to Nicodemus at their clandestine night meeting that the way to eternal life was through him. Nicodemus felt that the best he could do for his Lord was to provide the embalming ointment. In my shed I have some 20 litre fuel containers. The amount of embalming ointment would have filled probably two of them. The third thing is that Nicodemus now came out into the open, revealing that he was a follower of Jesus. The repercussions of that decision were that he was probably kicked out of the Sanhedrin and ostracised by the other Pharisees. Nicodemus now openly identified himself as a Christian. If you read the book of Acts, you will see that Christians were persecuted and boycotted by the Jews. Wealthier Christians gave of their means to support others. And Nicodemus was probably one who supported the Christian church by giving of his means. When Jesus returns to take the saved with him back to heaven, I want to be one of that number. And guess what? Nicodemus will most likely be part of the redeemed also. So what have we learned from the biblical record of Nicodemus? Firstly, we learn that salvation is not obtained by law-keeping, although a born-again Christian is expected to keep God's laws. Salvation is a gift of God and is only obtained through the Lord Jesus Christ. Following tradition is not, has not, and never will be, the way to eternal life, even if you have zealously observed it for many years. Secondly, we can learn that it probably took some time for Nicodemus to finally make the decision to fully become a Christian. Probably some of you are just like Nicodemus. You know what is right. You know what to do. 
but because of various reasons such as family ties, work commitments, or a position of influence you may hold, you're still sitting on the fence. I urge you to make up your mind and commit yourself to the Lord just as Nicodemus did. The third thing is that Nicodemus reached the point where he could be a secret Christian no longer. He was prepared to put up with any trouble that step may have caused, and it's quite possible his coming out cost him dearly. Others, like Nicodemus, also have gone public and revealed what they believe. Sometimes it has cost them dearly. In many cases, especially during the Dark Ages, it cost most of them their lives. But they were prepared to sacrifice everything for the cause of God and his promises. The fourth thing is that Nicodemus, by purchasing the embalming ointment, was able to express his gratitude for what God had done for him. It was his way of saying thanks to the Lord. If you are someone who is thinking of committing your life to the Lord, don't be afraid to think of the pros and cons. You may have to make sacrifices and even face hardship. But remember this. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. If you want to read that yourself, it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Friends, it seems to me that a few decades of life on this sick and dying planet and nothing compared to the glorious eternal existence God has promised to those who are faithful to him. Nicodemus chose to be faithful. That's my choice too. Make it yours as well. It's time to stop. So until next time, this is Len signing off and wishing you that same choice and hope and peace.